Seinfeld, the red dot is over, but we are just getting started on Seinfeld, the post-show recaps. And now here are the two guys who are in beautiful cashmere sweaters with no red dots on it. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? Uh, I'm great. I just won my uh, my fantasy football league for the first time. So oh. everything, everything else is just gravy. Kiva, I also won my fantasy football league in the Rob is a podcast 20 team fantasy football league. Well, now you're just being a one upper because my league was only 12 teams. That's very impressive. 20 yes, teams. But you probably had better players in your league. Oh, who are you taking shots out there? Like Jervis? Uh, Howard Johnson or Howard Johnson's son. Uh, oh, Hojo's in yeah. your league? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, I, if Hojo's in the league, I think I have to get in next year. Well, we'll see. We, we might expand, <laughs> have to expand to 24 teams. Anyway, so uh, Akiva, first off, let me wish you and yours. Uh, this is a very exciting time of the year. Happy Festivus. Yep. I think it's the one day between... Hanukkah and Christmas basically is Festivus. Yes. Happy belated Festivus to you and yours. Uh, did you have any airing of the grievances this week? Well, I was saving, I was saving them for the red dot. We're going to air all our grievances about the red dot. And I guess we'll discuss, uh, you know, the feats of strength from the episode. Okay. Fair enough. So that's very exciting. Uh, we're going to talk about the red dot, which, uh, just a little spoiler. I really like the red dot. All right. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting the sense that you did not care for it as much. Oh, no, it'll be fun. Maybe we'll have our, you know, our first like real sort of, uh, you know, argument about the okay. uh, season like the show season three, episode 12 of Seinfeld going back towards December of 1991, December 11th, 1991. And I did not remember this fact, but uh, this is a, like a Christmas episode. Yeah, it's very fitting that we're doing this now. Um, there are a few Christmas episodes, but this episode is very Christmassy. Yeah, and I had totally forgotten that the Red Dot was involved with Christmas. It's I felt like sort of like the Christmas stuff just seems sort of tacked on that it was just like a regular episode. And they're like, oh, it's the last episode before the holidays. So you're going to have to go ahead and make it Christmassy. Yeah, I hate when like sitcoms feel like they always have to have a Halloween episode. They always have a Thanksgiving episode. And they always have like a Christmas episode. But uh, yeah, it's thrown in here. I mean, yeah. the, the, the you know the the pick is also kind of a Christmas episode next year. Obviously, uh, the Festivus episode, uh, which is not for many years, um, you know, is is a holiday episode. So there's a few of them. Okay, so a lot going on here for the Red Dots. So perfect time of year, good episode to talk about, at least from my perspective. Akiva, is there anything happening in the Seinfeld news? Yeah, a couple a couple small things related to Jerry. I just noticed that he did uh, uh, like six full minutes of stand up yesterday on Fallon. Whoa, um, which was pretty good. You know, sometimes, you know, you'll see him now and you'll be like, really? That's he's get he gets like laughs for the first two, three minutes because he's Jerry Seinfeld. But uh, this was actually a pretty good set. He was talking about something very near and dear to my heart, which is, uh, you know, throwing out all your stuff and the, like everything you own is just like on its way to becoming garbage. Yeah. And so does Jerry advise that we should be throwing out all our stuff? Yes. He yeah. He he says his wife is like categorizing everything in the house and he's just like plotting ways to throw it out. Like he gives an example of a wedding album. Yes. And uh, I mean, it, he's jokingly says it, but you know, if it was up to him, I think he'd throw that out too. Yeah. I need to figure out a way to get rid of more stuff. Including your wedding album. No, no, I'll keep that. But yeah, I feel like, you know, it's, I have too much stuff. I re- read an article today about being a minimalist. It just sounds so great. Just show your wife an episode of Hoarders and say, you know, you're on your you're on your way. No, it's not. She's not just the problem. There's a lot of things I blame her for, but I, I'm just as much the problem. 
Just throw it out. Yeah. But then I look for it. Then I say, ah, no, I wish no I one ever that. got rich. Like they never like you ever see interviews with like Warren Buffett. He never says, well, I made a couple good investments and then I kept all my stuff. And that's why I have 50 billion dollars. <laughs> well, I guess so. Uh, but I feel like sometimes there's things I'm looking for. Like I'm afraid I have like a lot of wires and I'm afraid I get rid of one of the wires. Like, oh, I needed that wire. Yeah, uh, I mean, there there is like a line, but I, worst comes to worst, you buy it again. Stuff has like value. Space has value. So unless you're, you know, living in like an estate with like 30 rooms, just throw stuff out. You'll never regret it. Okay. All right. When in doubt, throw it out. That's what Akiva says. That's right. And the other like minor Seinfeld news was uh, we discussed this like a month or two ago, but they had um, on Crackle, they had like another Jerry meets the president of Crackle, Dick Cucorin, who's played by Kramer, by Michael Richards. Yes. Um, I, did you see this? I saw, I started watching, um, was it Jimmy Fallon was on comedians in cars getting coffee and I watched like the first like 20 seconds of it and then, uh, I forget what happened either my, it was started buffering and I turned it off or, or I just never finished it. Yeah. So the first one was okay. Cause it was like funny seeing Jerry and Kramer together, but this one was really weird and I, I kind of like lost interest. It's only four minutes, but yeah. I was looking at my watch the whole time. Like I it, feel it like was, if they can't even hold your interest as a, you know, self-admitted Seinfeld super fan who is, has a Seinfeld news segment to report on, then that's probably not a good sign. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, it, Jerry like posted, you know, linked to it on Twitter saying like the interview and it was really, I don't know. It was it was nonsense. Okay, nonsense with uh, Dick Corin. That's right. What is that? Is that name like a something that's? Do we have to unscramble it? I don't. I don't know. Uh, I think. I think it's just uh, you know a name that they think is funny. Okay, fair enough. All right. So of course the Seinfeld recap podcast here on postshowrecaps.com. You could subscribe. Make sure you never miss an episode. Almost halfway through season three, Akiva. Can you believe it? Yeah, we're chugging along. Yeah, I might have to grab the season four DVDs while I'm uh, down here. By the way, visiting, if you, if I sound any different, I am visiting my in-laws for, or visiting my family as well for the holidays. I am recording a uh, very George Costanza-esque uh, from the basement of my in-laws house. Yeah, that is, that is Costanza-esque, but at least you're not in Florida. Um, well, Florida would be nice. It's like cold and rainy here. Yeah, Florida. I mean, you know, you'd have a lot of people, you know, begging you to take pens and yelling at you. Yeah, it would be terrible. I did have a decent bagel this morning, Akiva. So I'm off to a good start. Well, I don't I mean, I don't know. Like, that's a that's a very controversial Festivus food because, you know, while it is, you know, it's it is the season. It's like, uh, you know, the whole the whole point of Festivus is Festivus. Yes, bagels. No, Kramer was, you know, still on strike from (laughs) H&H bagels. (laughs) Oh my god. And the bagel store that I go to, it's a, it's a very good bagel store here on Long Island, uh the Belmore Bagel Cafe. Uh not a not a free plug or product placement, but it's very soup nazi-esque there when you line up because there's like a million people behind the counter and then they just like yell at you like what do you want? Like there's so many like trying to shout over everybody and I get very like nervous and panicked uh when i get to the front of the line because they're like hurry up let's go because there's so many people that want the bagels um and i'm very scared that they're gonna say no bagels for me yeah there there must be something to long island bagel places because the one uh by us uh growing up also is like they have signs up that basically are super mean and the whole thing is just intimidating you to you know like (laughs) 
Like you're, are you like you're nervous to speak in the story. Yeah, I'm crazy. very scared. I'm like, uh, they're like, what do you want? I'm like, ah, uh, can I get two? And I can't even remember what I wanted in the first place. Like what? What? I'm afraid like to pay with a debit card. I don't know if I if I like got over the minimum. So the bagel store is very much uh, very soup Nazi esque. They looked up to the soup Nazi properly. Yeah, I, I do think, well, the one I was, I think even predates the soup nuts. It's just so mean. I, I don't know. I, I'll never go in there anymore. <laughs> yeah, but the bagels are so good. I think they feel like, well, we have the delicious bagel. So I, I could get an inferior bagel at a place where they'd be very nice. But this place, uh, it's a great bagel, but they're, uh, the service is uh, not exemplary. As long as it's not an H&H bagel, because Kramer would be furious. All right. <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's get into talking about this episode, which has a couple of interesting things uh, that I do want to talk about. So we start off where they're not really related to anything, except that maybe that there's a kind of a guy that's crazy in the episode. Jerry's stand up is about the knife store. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the most dated things so far. Yeah, he is mentions- this dated? Because I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a knife store recently. Yeah, so he says Hofritz. Yes. He said every mall has a Hofritz in it. So I did some Googling, and, I, and in about 1994, Hofritzes went completely bust, and there are no more Hofritzes. <laughs> this was the last time anybody ever mentioned Hofritz? I think like they sold their name, so there may be a few Hofritz knives out there, but they had a lot of stores in the mall. But I guess, I mean, that sounds like a terrible idea, like, you know, just a knife store. It's like Cutco knives, but you have to go to them. Yeah. So I, mean, I think it's relatively easy to get a knife. So I don't know if we're in a safer knife uh, world right now. That being said, um, whatever with, with the knife jokes. Yeah. I mean, oh, maybe that is like a security thing now. Like they don't want to sell knives. I the doubt store. it. I doubt it. I just don't think people need that many knives. No, I don't. I, I, not a great business model. That's why they've been out of business for 20 years. All right. So let's go to the Pendant Publishing holiday party. And Akiva, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the first appearance of real Mr. Lippman in this episode? Yeah, we saw fake Lippman last season, but this is the first Lippman, real Lippman. Why Whoa. keep him as Lippman? Like, why not just make, OK, this is a different guy who's Elaine's new boss. Right. They could have easily done that. And further confounding the, this situation is that his name isn't mentioned in this episode and he's credited as Breckman, not Lippman. Hmm. Okay. So I wonder if they were going to make a new guy and they, uh, you know, and then they sort of like went back and called him Lippman, you know, when he comes back again, or if maybe like they just didn't have the internet, they forgot what they had done and they weren't paying so much attention to it. That's highly possible. All right. So the episode starts off and we're at the pendant publishing holiday party and George and Jerry are debating about the statue of Liberty. Yeah, I, I have wondered that. Do you have any, any information on, on how the statue of Liberty was brought here well, or was built here? Akiva, I thought you were the, uh, the research guy. I'm surprised. You know, that- I am the research guy, but I, I, uh, you know, I forgot, to, I really forgot to look up the statue of Liberty stuff. I do believe that it was sent here in pieces and built here. I don't, that's what I remember like learning also. Yeah. I'd have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that, uh, they put it together here. Uh, now who was right? I think George was right. George, are you sure? Because I feel like it was Jerry that was saying. Uh, I feel like George is like, what do you, whoa, what, what do you think? They br- brought it together and put it here in a bu- with a bunch of pieces? 
Um, yeah, I, I thought I remember saying George saying like, see, like I was right. <laughs> yeah, but I think he's right about the off the wagon, on the wagon stuff, not the Statue of Liberty. Well, George says on the wagon, which is incorrect. And so even though we don't have a clear answer on the Statue of Liberty, we do have some news about Elaine's new boyfriend, and he is a recovering alcoholic. Uh, this is a new fling for Elaine. Yeah, I mean, she's done so poorly uh, with, you know, with uh, boyfriends in the first two seasons and, uh, you know, between two really old guys and, and just a bunch of disasters. Yeah, but uh, the the streak really continues here. <laughs> yeah, They're with the appropriately named Dick. Yeah, he's really he's he. I don't know if he's the he's not the worst person we've met so far, but he really there's nothing redeeming about him. Yeah, and I like so Jerry tells George not to say anything about Elaine's fling uh, in the office, and George is like, "Who am I going to tell?" Uh, and <laughs> he said, "My mother." Jerry is like, "Look, well, just don't say anything to anybody." Like, I don't have better things to talk about, and Jerry's like, "You don't." <laughs> uh, I just uh, I, I like that sort of interplay. Yeah, I could see Jerry uh, George telling his mother um, about Elaine's thing, like if there's just nothing or if she's like hounding him about like, why don't you have a job? You know, why don't you have a girlfriend? And like, I should be like Elaine. Yeah. So Jerry mentions to George that this guy has been off the wagon for two years. Uh, And again, we have a little bit of a debate between George and Jerry of is, is it is he off the wagon or is he on the wagon? Right. Jerry says off. George says on. Yeah. And I think it's off the wagon. See, I think you go off the wagon when you start drinking. I think you're yeah, on yeah. Off the, the wagon. wagon to start drinking. Yeah. Right. So he's on the wagon. Correct. So, yeah. So, so George would be correct. George is correct. Yeah. It's right now he's on the wagon. In a few minutes, he's going to be off the wagon. <laughs> then he will soon be off the wagon. <laughs> That's right. All right. So here comes Elaine and she brings over uh, Dick. And first off, she tells George she has great news. She can get George hired as a reader at Pendant Publishing. So this is exciting. That sounds like a great job, by the way. Does it? I feel like um, it seems stressful to me because like when I was in like high school and college, like I had all this reading to do and I never actually wanted to do the reading. I couldn't sit still to do the reading. Well, do you have to write like I assume reader because as a publishing company is people are are sending like unsolicited manuscripts and you're reading through them and seeing if any of them are worthwhile. That sounds about the job description. So then I would wonder if you have to just say like, yeah, I really liked it. And then it sort of goes higher up the chain uh, or, you know, where you don't like it. Or do you have to write like a book report on every single book? Because that would be a nightmare. Yeah, I feel like they're sometimes like with scripts there's coverage and you have to say what was good and what wasn't so that could be stressful yeah but if you're maybe if you're the guy who finds the good script i don't know maybe there's room for advancement i'm not sure so anyway we also have the awkward meeting between jerry and dick and dick like very quick right off the jump is like so is this the guy yeah and it's important to note he hasn't even started drinking yet like he's just a jerk beforehand yeah, he's just maybe he's extra jerky because he wants to be drinking and everybody's drinking at the holiday party. Yeah, that's true. Like maybe he's just, you know, he's a sober jerk also. But yeah, maybe he's jealous of everybody. OK, so Elaine gives Jerry her drink, which is vodka cranberry and uh, Dick has just the cranberry. So Jerry is in charge of holding the vodka cranberry. You got to keep it away from Dick. 
I don't know if that was the intention of keep it away from him, but she told him just to hold it because she needed to go introduce George to Breckman slash Lipman. Yeah, the, I mean, I don't know. She she afterwards she seems like like she was actively trying to get him to play defense against the drink. But I think she was Monday morning quarterbacking it. I think so. Like, why couldn't she have the drink to go talk to Lipman? I mean, it's the holiday party. It's not like right, he doesn't it's not know. like he's going to say, what's that drink from? It's true. But I don't know. Maybe she wanted to, you know, flail her hands like she was dancing. I don't know. So Lipman and George uh, are having a conversation. Lipman wants to know, uh, who do you read? Again, uh, of the many times of <laughs> this comes up, at least two or three times, I feel like uh, George mentions uh, Mike Lupica. Yeah, they must love Mike Lupica, which is funny. Mike Lupica is, um, you know, he's still going. I wouldn't say going strong. He's still going, you know, 20 something years later. Um, But uh, I feel like everyone hates him now. People hate Mike Lupica. I feel like uh, people hate like Manish Mehta, but I feel like they don't hate Mike Lupica. Well, uh, first of all, you, I, I hate the fact that you even mentioned Manish Mehta's name on this podcast. <laughs> He's such a bad person. But uh, no, uh, people, someone was just saying yesterday on my Twitter feed that Mike Lupica is the only person in the media they've they've ever heard of who does, nobody has a good thing to say about them. Oh, except for George Costanza. Okay, well, I, I'm probably Larry David. I don't know if he knows Mike Lubick. I think he probably just reads him. Yeah. Anyway, so it's very funny when <laughs> Lipman is asking George, uh, so what authors do you read? And he's like, oh, yeah, so many. But in addition to Mike Lupica. Um, and he's like, I'm afraid I'll forget somebody. And so finally he gives him uh, Art Van Delay. He's an obscure writer. He's a beatnik uh, from the village. Yeah, I love how, like, now you couldn't get away with that because he just, like, punched the name in the Amazon. Like, oh, I've never heard of him. But uh, in 91, you can get away with it. And then, uh, of course, Art Vandelay is the author of Venetian Blinds. George's Lie is a really one of, like, the best sort of running plots throughout the series that he's just making up nonsense constantly. But he's really not a good liar at all. Yeah. Did Venetian Blinds come up yet already? I don't think so. Okay, but I love that as the name of the book. Yeah, that, I mean, it sounds like such a, like, it, it's funny also because nobody would ever, like, look into that afterwards also. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we cut back to Jerry and Dick, and then, like, Dick just gets done, like, yelling at Jerry and says, like, I know I'm funnier than you, too. And he picks up the wrong drink and walks away. Yeah. I, I wonder if, like, I mean, comics must have that a lot where people are like, like, I could do that, you know, or I, I you know, I'm funnier than you, that sort of thing. And it's just... What are you going to have, like a like a roast right there? I don't know, but yeah, Dick really is just like getting in his face about this, I'm funnier than you stuff. I, I mean, I know he's a step up from, from you know, some of the guys we've seen in the last few weeks, but what does Elaine see in this guy? He's a good looking guy, I guess. I guess. May, maybe is he like a higher up? Is he like, a, you know, a have a good position at Penn and Publishing? Not for long. <laughs> Not for long is right. And so he picks up the wrong drink and he walks away. And then we are going to see like a cutaway of him in a little bit. He's just like pounding like oh, vodka cranberry. He's loving it. Yeah. Once you're off the wagon, you're you're off the wagon. Yeah, I guess so. So Elaine comes back and she says, oh, where's my drink? Oh, this is just the cranberry juice. Uh, she, and she's saying, I told you to hold my drink. And Jerry says, I didn't think you meant hold it, hold it. So uh poor dick he's uh just pounding away on that vodka cranberry what what do you think the rule is and this is probably more like a 2014 thing than a 1991 thing 
But how big, like if an office has like, you know, eight people in it and one of them is a recovering alcoholic, I feel like that office party doesn't have alcohol hmm. nowadays. What, yeah. But it depends so on publishing. What's, like the, what's the cutoff number for like, you don't want to ruin it for, you know, a hundred people. Yeah. If you have a hundred people grant, you know, it's almost certain one of them is going to. I think double digits. All right, so we're, we're at double digits here. Yes. I also think that it's of a bygone era, like the holiday party in the space that you work at. Yeah, I don't think the legal department would like it nowadays. Yeah, I feel like that's not a thing that happens anymore. Like I was watching Scrooge last night and they cut back to like 1969 and they're like they're partying in the office. I feel like that happens. I don't know if it ever happened in real life, but it seems like in a lot of like TV and movies, uh, the holiday party is always happening like on the office set. I was just Googling what Scrooge was. You don't even know what Scrooge was? It's a Bill Murray movie. Yes, it is. Well, I just Googled it. Yes, it is. 1988. Bill Murray movie. Um, All right. So let's let's not, you know, go too far down the Akiva movie rabbit hole right now. Let's keep going and get to Jerry and George are in a department store and George has decided he needs to buy a present for Elaine. Now, to me, I feel like this didn't hold a lot of water for me in the script. Yeah, first of all, George is so cheap that it's, you know, it's not even believable that he would have spent $85 on her. Yeah. And it's also like sort of, I don't, I mean, maybe it's like played as like, sort of like kind of a menial job that, you know, he wouldn't be like super appreciative. Like anybody could get the job. She just happened to help him. So, I mean, was that your problem with it also? No, I, I'm not sure exactly how we got to a high-end women's department store with George and Jerry. Like, I almost feel like we needed, like, a beat in the script, like, Jerry is dating a woman who works in the department store, and he had to go meet her, and then they were in the store, and George just happened to see it. Like, it seems just odd to me that George is like, oh, I need to go buy Elaine a present, and I, you know, this is the same George who gave gave Elaine cash for her birthday uh, when it was during the deal. And I just feel like it seems weird that they're in like a, you know, Nordstrom or a Lord and Taylor to go buy Elaine a present. Like who, who would buy like a female friend uh, clothes? Uh, yeah, I, I would hundred percent agree with that. I get, yeah, they probably should also, I guess should have had a scene where they're at Jerry's apartment, like discussing what to buy him. Jerry says, you know, give her cash. And then, you know, George has a ridiculous idea like, uh, you know, make yeah. her dinner or something. I it's, don't know. But it, like, I just feel like we needed like that. George is looking for a present for her and he just happens to have that. It just seems like a, a little bit of a, of a leap that that they just happened to be going to like they were in Macy's looking for a present for Elaine. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, it's not it's certainly I would never like I can't even go. Can you do jewelry shopping for your wife? Could I do it? Yeah, I have gone jewelry shopping for my wife. I would need like uh, I would need, you know, like a third party. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, you know, I tend to go to the same person for uh, jewelry shopping that, um, you know, somebody who is very, very helpful one time. And I just go back to this person because at least there's like, uh, you know, I, I don't even know if I'm getting ripped off or not. It's just like at least it's like um, not as stressful. It's not the bagel store. It's not the bagel store. Yeah. Oh, forget it. Forget it to go buy uh, jewelry from a place that where they're yelling at you. Uh, I would just like I have a coronary on the spot. 
Yeah, yeah. I, everyone has like a jewelry guy. <laughs> yeah, that's their guy. All right. So we are in the store and we see this sweater and it's cashmere marked down $85 from $650. Can you believe it? That is a great deal. Yeah. I do think if there was like, what do you, if there was a red dot in on a sweater in a real store, they probably just wouldn't sell it, right? Um, I think it'd be on some sort of like a clearance rack. That was out like pretty prominently. Right. And they would have to like at least like draw a line. You know, they'd have to like show you the red dot. Uh, you know, it would have to say it somewhere on the thing. Does it say that? If, if no, there was. They ask her and they're like, oh, there's a red dot on it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if they, it, they would have to point to it like on the tag or anything like that, right? Yeah, but they would have, it has to explain somewhere because they happen to ask the lady, but yeah. let's say they just buy it and nobody says anything, then they want to return it. She said there's no return policy. Okay, so it's a cashmere sweater. They love it, and she points it out. And, you know, when we first see the sweater, it they make it seem like it's very hard to even see the red dot. Yeah, they never show you the red dot, but... Um, yeah, it seems like as the episode goes along, it's almost like the red dot gets bigger and more noticeable, and people, like, are able to spot it immediately, whereas in the, like, first part of the episode, it's like, what? That little thing? I can't even see that. Right. Well, Jer- right. Jerry and, and uh, George were not so perceptive with these things. They don't pick it up, but Kramer sees it from across the entire apartment. Yeah, yeah. So when Jerry and George see where the red dot is in the store, you know, George is trying to get Jerry to pretend that he hasn't seen the red dot and ask him, would you notice it if you didn't see it? And Jerry says that's impossible for him to do. Uh, And there's a really great line that ends up ending the scene where George says, well, just give me an overview of what you see. And Jerry says, I see a very cheap man holding a sweater trying to get away with something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this this is this is kind of cra- classic George just, you know, trying to get away with being cheap and lying at the same time. Okay, so we go to Jerry's apartment and Jerry and Elaine are talking. Elaine thinks that Dick is off the wagon, right? Uh, she thinks he's off the wagon. Yeah. Yes. And so Jerry says, well, does he smell? Um, because you could, t- you could tell by the smell if he's been, if he's been drinking, uh, and they sort of debate this. Now, Akiva, what, yeah. what's your take on this? Could you tell if somebody has been drinking, uh, even one drink by smelling them? I mean, I think you can usually, but I guess, you know, real alcoholics probably are good at masking it. I would guess. See, I'm the, I'm really bad at this of telling like, who's like these people that are drinking and, and like during the day and stuff like that, who's like the, um, you know, undercover alcoholics and and stuff like this. Do you have any experience with like being able to ID these people? No, I really, I really don't. I don't know. I, I, I maybe, Maybe they're around me and I just don't notice them. And I'm also terrible at IDing them. Yeah. And I'm also not like in super close contact with with people like uh, where I'm like right next to them and I could smell them. Yeah, I'm a non I'm like mostly a non drinker also. So this is not really my game. Yeah. So you should be more acutely sensitive to smelling when alcohol is on other people. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. The smell never really bothered me. Yeah. All right. So Kramer, like a different story that, you know, you could tell from like a mile away, but drinking, I never got. What is it that you could tell from a mile away? I'm saying like smoking, like you come, someone comes home from like the bowling alley or something like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So Kramer comes in and they say to Kramer, Kramer, would you take a drink and let us smell you? And it's another very funny line. He says, well, like you could smell me without giving me a drink. (laughs) And so they end up pulling out this bottle of Hennigan's, which Jerry's uncle. Was it from Uncle Leo? Uh, he doesn't say which uncle, right? Um, if if Hennigan's is a, and Hennigan's is always used in the series as like the as like alcohol X as like the fake alcohol. Yes. Um, but if it's if it's cheap alcohol, I would say Leo gave it to them for sure. All right. Jerry says he's been using it as paint thinner. They give it to Kramer. And here we go. So now are you buying? And it was hard for me to tell. Is Kramer acting drunk or is Kramer immediately drunk when he drinks the Hennigans? Yeah, I wrote I wrote in my notes also like, why is he drunk three minutes after drinking? Like, does that happen ever? Like, I thought he was like faking the drunk, like on the part where George walks in and he's like, you know, really like accentuating like his H's of like in his face. Like, I thought he was pretending, but then he's passed out by the end of the scene. So maybe he's not pretending. I think maybe he starts acting, but by the end, he's just he's actually drunk. And or is it possible he came in having already been drinking? No way. No way. He's Kramer. He does nothing all day. Why I mean, not? is Kramer a drunk? He's not a drunk, but but, you know, I mean, we just saw him put put some back a couple weeks ago with the in the stranded where, by the way, they said Jerry has no alcohol in his apartment. Yeah. Yeah. He has this Hennigan's. Um, it's funny. Also, is this the only time we ever see Jerry drinking in the series um off the top of my head i think so um but i wouldn't swear to it okay so kramer takes the drink of the hennigans and they try to smell him and they can't smell anything with this hennigans how about that akiva maybe you know maybe that's why it's you know such a great scotch like it's it it has no smell to it (laughs) It's it's the no smell no tell scotch it's perfect for like flasks for work days and stuff like that. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Kramer's commercials? I actually Kramer and, you know, we do see him, you know, several times in in the series pitching different products. He's actually it's actually one of his skills. He's very good at uh, at selling something. Yeah. Kramer is like a real Don Draper. Yeah, I think uh, maybe that's, you know, maybe before he burnt out and that's what that's what he was. Kramer. Like, yeah, he was, he was an ad man. You want to hear some of the Kramer's commercials? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that I, I have a, the transcription. He says, uh, that is damn good scotch. I could even do a commercial for this stuff. Mmm, boy, that Hennigan's goes down smooth. And afterwards, you don't even smell. That's right, folks. I just had three shots of Hennigan's and I don't smell. Imagine, you could walk around drunk all day. That's Hennigan's, the no-smell, no-tell scotch. <laughs> he's pretty good it, you almost when you're watching this also it sometimes you kind of think like that michael richards is kind of improving this because he's so good at it <laughs> yeah he he really is kind of like breaking the fourth wall because he's like staring out to the audience when he's doing it yeah he's staring at the audience and he more than any other category also gets like uh you know real applause that sometimes breaks up uh breaks up the scene a little bit so he is kind of playing to the camera more than anybody else yeah he does another one that he says uh say you got a big job interview and you're a little nervous well throw back a couple of shots of hennigan's and you'll be loose as a goose and ready to roll in no time and because it's odorless why it'll be our little secret (laughs) i wonder if um 
if here, if it was before the, yeah, you can't have hard alcohol ads on TV nowadays. No, it's only beer. Right. But I don't know in 91 what the, when, when that rule was made. Cause it, uh, clearly at some point you could. Yeah. <laughs> as far as Kramer goes, um, this is it for Kramer in the episode. He really does make a meal out of this Hennigan's though subplot. Yeah, they I almost think like they had nothing for Kramer. And then because it really doesn't have like it doesn't the Hennigans doesn't tie in at the end. Um, I don't think, you know, they had anything for him, but they wanted to keep him, put him in the episode. So they're like, hey, let's just have him drink. We'll come up with some funny lines about the Hennigans. But you're right. He's he is not he doesn't really have any kind of subplot here. All right. So George is up there now and he has an early Christmas present for Elaine and he gives it to her and it's the sweater and she loves it. She says that it's, you know, the nicest thing, one of the nicest things anybody has ever done for her. She says, Jerry, how did you let him spend so much money? He says, I tried to stop him. <laughs> I couldn't. He just wants to make people happy. And so she goes and, and is putting it on. George's like, no, this is just for special occasions. And Kramer, perfect Kramer, just like in the nose job. He's the one person who blurts out what you don't want him to. He says, I uh, Hey, what's that red dot? Yeah, was what was George's like uh, plan A here to, to say like, oh, that the stain didn't come with it, and you got the red dot on it? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't think did he think that far ahead? No, because like Elaine and the cleaning lady, both you know, both times he tries to get them from not trying it on in front of him. Like I don't, I don't know what he, what his goal was. I think he just wants them to not see the red dot and maybe down the road. Like I think he's hoping that they just put it in a drawer and they never look at it. That's that's probably would have been best case scenario. Yes. And maybe he's also underestimating that women's perceptiveness with the when it comes to like uh, imperfections in garments. Yeah, I think definitely he uh, he underestimated that for sure. Yeah. And, and Kramer's and Kramer's perception. Well, Kramer's a bit of a fashionista, right? Yeah, that's true. He's going to be a Calvin Klein model soon. Yeah. So I think that uh, George, you know, he <laughs> like uh, later on in the episode when Elaine calls him out, he's like, look at what I'm wearing. I have nothing. Uh, he is not as much of a fashion plate as uh, a lot of the women in, in the episode. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So anyway, uh, we get to Kramer is passed out from the Hennigans. And so we go and see George in the office and uh, Elaine is on her way out. And, uh, you know, he's telling her he can't believe that he gets paid for this. Yeah, it's a good job. I told you it's a good job. And now here comes the cleaning lady. Is that a thing, by the way, that people have have like uh, have a thing for cleaning ladies? Have you ever heard that before? No, I mean, I did watch in the inside look, Larry David talking about it, and he said that it was, you know, late at night, and then there she was. I mean, I've never had a thing for a cleaning lady, but I guess I could see the appeal of, you know, nobody's there. It's just you. It's just you and her. You know, who would know uh, she's there? Um, And, uh, you know... And that's what it is. Like they talk about the chambermaid uh, coming up soon. They said, "Yeah, it's a woman in your room. It's just it's just you and another woman there." It's true. I guess uh, I guess availability. You can't beat the availability. And if you're the last person in the office, yeah, I think there's also something too that you know, uh, you know, you're a executive working in an office. She's the cleaning lady. Like, it's almost like uh, you know, 
Um, it seems like there's a little bit of a uh, discre- discrepancy in uh, class there as far as like somebody who is, um, you know, we're talking like going to Survivor, a white collar, blue collar type of thing. So I think that there's uh, there's something interesting there. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of it in the series because George also sleeps with his secretary, right? In the secretary. Yes. Uh, and he said, you know, when he says, I'm giving you a raise. Yes. And um, and uh, and also with the housekeeper, when they when they go, you know, work with the old old people and the old man he sleeps <laughs> with the housekeeper with, you know, who had the stories with Mahatma Gandhi <laughs> and also and Jerry right in the maid, Jerry starts sleeping with his maid and then it becomes all messy. Yes, uh, very messy uh, in more ways than one. Anyway, so we cut to George in the coffee shop with Jerry and he says that he had sex with the cleaning lady. Yeah, I, I feel like Jerry's head should have flown off here. Like it's such a shocking story for George. It, like it would be believable if it was Jerry or Kramer. Yeah. And Jerry's asking him, how did you do that? And George says just Hennigan's. And he asked what she wanted to drink. And so how did George get the Hennigan's? He must have he must have bought you see that wasn't explained at all. I'm guessing like it was so funny that like it was good and he bought Hennigan's. But you're right. They they needed to explain how George got Hennigan's. Well, maybe I think I could explain how George ended up with the Hennigan's. So the Hennigan's was out and, you know, it was on the table or the kitchen counter in Jerry's apartment. And then George must have said, like, uh, you know, uh, well, so what are you going to do with that? And Jerry's like, eh, take it. I don't I don't need it. Um, and then he just had it on his person and had it in his desk, maybe. Yeah, that's probably the the most simple, um, likely scenario. Do you know what I noticed also in the, um, you know, in the scene before this with the when George is working at, at Pendant? What's that? So George, first of all, so this is a fact. I don't know if anybody said this before, but George, Jerry and Kramer in real life are all lefties. George is writing lefty. Oh, but then. If if uh, if you remember in the in the implant, which our friend uh, Peter Melman wrote, I think um, the um, George can't make a move with his left hand. He needs to be on. The, he needs the right side. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's you know, there's there's a lot of inconsistencies here. It's not canon. It's I don't know. It, but I think canonically well, Jason Alexander, Jerry Seinfeld and Michael Richards are all lefties that we know. OK, maybe George is ambidextrous. Uh, I, more likely that he is what's no dexterous. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Anti dexterous. Anti dexterous. Okay. <laughs> so, um, she's like vacuuming. George is telling the story, and she her, her hips are swiveling, and her breaths are. And Jerry tries to fill in the blank. Uh, convulsing. Convulsing. That's great. <laughs> And then uh, there's a great line where George says, uh, you know, and then you offered her a drink. And I I don't know if it was the Hennigans or the ammonia, uh, but, um, you know, she was mopping the floor with me. And then (laughs) he says, and he threw up from the Hennigans. And (laughs) Jerry says, well, good thing the cleaning lady was there. Yeah, that's a fantastic line. It's my favorite line of the whole episode. (laughs) There's a couple of really great uh, lines in this episode. All right. So Elaine is accusing Jerry now back at Jerry's apartment of trying to get make Dick into a drunk. Yeah, I don't know. This is really like a flimsy, you know, argument on Elaine's part. Yeah. I mean, 
it would make Jerry like a really diabolical person. I mean, if this was George, I think it's possible that he could do this. I mean, Jerry, I just don't think cares enough to try to make somebody into an alcoholic or, or like get somebody to fall off the wagon. Yeah. And while Dick seems to hate Jerry, Jerry, you know, always basically is indifferent towards Dick. He doesn't care. Yeah. Not at all. He's not that interested. Anyway, so they're going back and forth. Elaine and Jerry are arguing about it. Uh, Elaine accuses Jerry of being it's exhausting to uh, be with him. And so now Elaine, before George comes up, he buzzes up. She says, did George get a, a discount on the sweater? And that's why he gave it to me. And Jerry has no poker face. He basically gives it all away. But Elaine isn't 100 percent sure. She knows what's happening here. Now, Elaine goes in the bathroom. George comes up and he's like, uh, Jerry, Jerry, uh, that I slept with the cleaning lady. And now she's going to tell Lipman and I'm going to get fired. And now, uh, you know, going on and on and on. And he's like, hey, Elaine's in the bathroom. She is going to uh, she's going to she's going to hear you. You better be quiet. And so Elaine comes out and she accuses George of the sweater and buying it because it was marked down. And George gets like really like indignant. Yeah, I mean, George, George is selling this as hard as he can. Yeah. And he, you know, he, you know, he is going to go down, you know, he's going to go down fighting with this lie. <laughs> and he's like, I buy you the most beautiful sweater ever. And he's going on and on and on. And she's like, well, Jerry told me. And he says, starts yelling at him. I'm like, how could you tell her? And he says, I didn't, you stupid idiot. <laughs> yeah, there's a great trick by Elaine. And I love the fact that George goes for it, but Jerry doesn't buy it later. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, I think that's, you know, Jerry's innocent. I think that's how he know he doesn't go for it. That's that's fair. That's true. Yeah. And George goes right into I had a hundred and three temperature. I was seeing red dots everywhere. <laughs> Look at what I'm wearing, he says. I have nothing. <laughs> you almost start feeling bad for him. Like well, it's Jerry is like line. doing like a fake crying. I, I think Jerry Seinfeld, the actor, was like was laughing. Mm hmm. But, you know, I like I think they were just they thought it was hilarious. I couldn't tell if it was real laughter. Jerry's not a great actor, so I couldn't tell if it was real laughter or, you know, if he was sort of like laughing slash crying, but he was supposed to. All right. Now, here is George with a cleaning lady. And so he's giving her a gift. Apparently, she wants a relationship. It seems like this is some emotional blackmail or real blackmail, however you want to say. I want you to be my boyfriend or if not, I'm going to tell on you. Yeah, or but she's is she really telling him because he doesn't want to be the boyfriend, or is she telling on him because she's so horrified by the red dot on the sweater? Well, I think that's what puts it over the over the edge. Um, I also like the especially dated joke of where he's talking about like, uh, yeah, and you really okay, and we're gonna just keep this between us because of you know everything and you know the whole Clarence Thomas thing right now. <laughs> yeah, Clarence Thomas had just happened. Yes. Yes. Uh, when this came out. So, but I, uh, that holds up more than, you know, some things like Hoffritz knife store. I guess so. All I right. Think people know, I think people know what the Clarence <laughs> Thomas story. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. I don't think, I, I think that, um, I think if you are, uh, younger than 30, are you, are you younger than 30 Akiva? No, I'm 31. Yeah. Uh, I think 30 is the cutoff for Clarence Thomas. All right. Fair enough. I think so. Um, I remember like, uh, yeah, it was a big, it was a big thing. Lots of stuff on Saturday Night Live at that time about Clarence Thomas. Oh, wow. With, uh, 
91 SNL. Okay. Yes. Yes. Anyway, we don't need to go too far down. Who played, who played Clarence Thomas on that SNL? Uh, Tim Meadows, I think. Uh, okay. Let's not go too far down the Clarence Thomas rabbit hole. But Fair anyway, enough. so uh, he gives her the sweater and uh, she loves it and she calls him Georgie Porgy. Yeah, I mean, and the story she tells is is just incredible. Yeah, it's very very funny. And Seinfeld does this so well with a lot of things where you know they have they have one of like the minor characters like goes into like a big monologue that really just like raises the stakes, uh, and they do this perfectly with the cleaning lady. Yeah, I do love the um, I love her monologue. Um, by the way, just to uh, you know, I always look like to look up our our guest stars, of course. Um, and don't tell uh, me the cleaning lady is dead. No, 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 she's still with us. But, um, great news this is the holidays. You think I'm, we're, there's no fun facts on the yes, holidays. Yes. But, um, you know how I always say that almost every one of these actresses, except for like the rare, you know, like Terry Hatcher, Courtney Cox. Yes. Um, is an acting coach. Yes. But, uh, the cleaning lady is an acting coach. No, the second thing I've noticed, she is, she is in like the groundlings or some improv thing, I think, but. The, the other thing I've noticed that um, a lot of these uh, guest stars have, especially the L.A. ladies, is they're all into dog rescue. So she's a big dog rescue lady. Yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. Which is an L.A. thing, I think. I don't even think that's really, that's limited to actresses. I feel like half the women in Los Angeles County are into dog rescue. You got to. You got to rescue the dogs. you think, like, who are the people getting rid of all these dogs if it's like a whole city of people who love dogs? <laughs> It's a good, good question. Maybe we'll work on that. Uh, find the answer to that as we go along and yeah. uncover more of these uh, bit actors. Anyway, so George gives her the sweater. She loves it. There was she was grew up in Panama. There was a man. Is she's asking the name of the fabric? He said it cashmere, and then she grabbed him and he kicked her and threw change at her. And then uh, George just has a great response. He's just like, uh, I had a feeling you would like it. Uh, and then she finds the red dot. Yeah, I mean, there was no chance she wasn't finding the red dot here. That's right. Uh, so let's get to Jerry's stand up. And now here's where things take a turn, Akiva. Yeah. So Jerry is talking about, you know, he likes the hand blower in the bathroom uh, compared to the paper towels because you want to stay in a room with a terrible stench for as long as possible. And now here's Dick in the audience of the stand up show. The only stench is coming from you. Yeah, how do you like that? I mean, I like that they're breaking, you know, from tradition a little bit, that they're going outside the box. Yeah. And so, you know, he's we have the on the wagon, off the wagon uh, conversation here with Dick. Yeah, I like, you know, you're seeing Jerry handle a heckler. I think it's it's weird because, you know, you don't think of like these the monologues, especially like the middle one is being like part of the show. But, you know, they're advancing the storyline here. It's funny. Yeah. So overall, do you like this? I like the fact that they tried it. I thought it was I thought this was like a little uneven. Yeah. And the end is is really like not I don't know if it's edited poorly, but the you know, the ending of the episode, which we'll get to soon and the and the and then the second ending, which is in the closing, you know, monologue is a little it's a little off. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to talk about that more when we get there. But anyway, so he's getting heckled by Dick, and then Dick gets like escorted away by like the security of the comedy club. 
Uh, do you ever like do the hecklers automatically? I guess it's up to the comedian whether they get escorted out or not, right? Um, I think that, th- yeah, I think so. I think that the comedian sort of like gives them the, the signal, sort of like that. Like, I feel like that some comedians that like they they sort of welcome it, and you know, when it's a like a good comedian, the heckler is going to lose that fight. That is, you are fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, I think even a decent comedian is going to get crushed. The, I mean, is going to crush the heckler. The the only heckler, you know, I've been to the comedy cellar a lot. Um, the only heckler I can remember uh, is I was at, um, I don't remember who was on stage. I think it was, it may have been Colin Quinn. It was somebody, for, or, or maybe, um, maybe Daryl Hammond even, the, yes. you know, who's now uh, Don Pardo on SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, he was doing it and Steve-O was like right to the left of me. Steve-O from Jackass. Yes. And he was really, really drunk. And he like at Imagine one point. Imagine like, that. Walked, yeah. He, at one point he walked up, I think, and like tried to take the mic between sets from di- two different comedians. But he just completely hijacked the whole show. And I think he was trying to be a comic also at the time, maybe. Um, so eventually he was, was like really escorted out by like, you know, like a few people, like physically escorted out. It sounds about right. Uh, it was a weird, it was a weird moment just cause like I recognized, you know, it's like not just a heckler. It's like a person that you recognize. It was kind of sad for the record. Akiva, can you drink on a wagon or is it too bumpy? I think you can drink on a wagon, but you will smell like Hennigan's afterwards or whatever <laughs> alcohol you're drinking. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we have Mr. Lipman and George and, uh, Larry David and, and Jason Alexander are talking about this scene in the inside Lux and uh, Mr. Lipman starts off, uh, you know, it's come to my attention that you and the cleaning lady engaged in sexual intercourse. Yeah. Does, is that an automatic firing? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, could you talk about how Jason Alexander describes this in the inside Lux? Yeah. Yeah. Jason Alexander says that this is his favorite George line in the whole series. Yeah. He's, you know, he, which it is a great line. Was it's that fantastic? Wrong? You know, should I not have done that? I got to plead ignorance here. Had you just, I'm, I'm kind of saying this from uh, rote now, but I think he says like, had, you know, had you just told me, you know, I've been in a lot of offices and, you know, this, people, he basically says like people have been sleeping with each other on the desk, you know, at every other office. Yeah. And Mr. Littman is just like, you're fired. And George said, well, you didn't have to say it like that. Yeah, it was very like Trumpian that he said yeah. it was. Now, are you surprised that Lipman lets George stay until the end of the day? You would think this would yeah. be sort of like grounds for like an instant dismissal. Yeah, I think especially it's not like he's some guy who's been there 30 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's like a stranger. He's George, like a temp. You know? He's been there like a week. Yeah. Um, first of all, I think, I mean, nowadays you like you're not even even if, you know, no matter what, even if you're just like laid off and not fired, I think in any any office of like this size they escort you you out of the building they escort you out you probably you know they i think mail you your stuff yeah um you know when i when eric mangini got fired from uh got got uh not when eric mangini got fired from the jets no when no actually this is different but it's still funny when he when he When he left the patriots to go to the jets they like locked him out and he couldn't they had like he had like all his things in there yeah and they just never gave him back akiva by next week you'll be able to tell us what happened when rex ryan got fired (laughs) i could see rex by the way just going nuts i mean he expects it but 
I could I would I would love if there was a camera in the room. <laughs> no, maybe I think just, he's, I think he's going to be classy. I yeah, think maybe he'll just have some effing snacks and he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Um anyway, then George says uh any flexibility there with the whole holiday spirit uh Christmas spirit thing and uh Mr. Lemon's like, "Nah." And then uh he throws the sweater on George's face. It is a bloodbath at Pendant Publishing. Lipman's just firing everybody the week before Christmas. Oh, my God. Dick is gone. George is gone. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough out there. So uh, George is cleaning out his desk. And then Elaine comes over and uh, she says, you know, you had sex with the cleaning lady on your desk. Now, how did Elaine not hear this when she was in the bathroom at Jerry's apartment? I guess they were, you know, I guess they were, were you know, talking low. I don't know. He wasn't talking that low. I don't know. Maybe I, I, who knows? Maybe Elaine was taking a shower. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, you would think that Jerry would have mentioned something about this, but you know, it's like a sitcom trope that like people only hear what you want them to hear. Like, yeah. Even at the beginning of this episode, when Jerry says, when Dick says to Jerry, like, Oh, this is the guy. And Jerry kind of turns to George and says the guy, like, I think in like the sitcom universe, Dick doesn't hear that. Okay. You know? All right. Well, let's talk about, this conversation because i felt like this was is pretty odd uh where they go here so we're talking about george's asking elaine if she ever had sex in the office before elaine says uh, no she made out with somebody in the office and right, so if in the deleted scene uh dick is working and elaine walks past this cubicle and she yanks him in and they start making out so i'm 99 sure that's exactly what she's talking about they just took it out because it doesn't really add that much. And George says kissing is sex. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like what, like a fourth. This, I was going to say this is 1991, but it's more like what a fourth grader would have said in 1991. No, I, I don't know. I don't even know where they're going with this. Elaine says, no, kissing isn't sex. And then and then Jerry comes in. Elaine tries to give Jerry the test. Uh, did you? Uh, George said that you were going to put uh, Dick's drink on purpose to make an alcoholic. And Jerry's like, no, we're, we're not doing that. Anyway, so Jerry's taking him out to dinner. And Elaine says, what? when do you consider sex has taken place? Jerry says, I would say when the nipple makes its first appearance. Yeah, this is a big problem, Rob. Yes, when the, when the nipple makes its first appearance or yeah, figuring because, out when sex is. No, his line of when the nipple makes its first appearance. Yes. Because as we're going to see in next year's Christmas episode. Yes. Right. The pick when Elaine accidentally sends out pictures of her um, of her on a nipple on a Christmas card. Yes. She sent it to her Nana. Yes. So she has this mean that Elaine and her Nana. Like, like, what are they trying to say here? Yeah, uh, call me the old. Nipple made an appearance. Call me old fashioned, uh, Akiva, but I would say my definition of sex, and, and really, what a precursor to um, to Bill Clinton of uh, you know what is the definition of is uh, with we're talking about trying to def- the definition of what sex is. I, I believe penetration is the point where we could say sex has occurred. Yes, um, we may. We're, we're on the verge. We have might have to put one of those explicit warnings on the iTunes. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> Again, where this conversation is going. I don't. I don't think we've said any bad words. No, I think I'm that's, just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I think that's for me. That's the line. Yeah, it's not I, kissing. I, I do, it's not very, a nipple. Like, puritanical, almost right. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I didn't even know it was up for debate. Yeah, I didn't know either. I mean, 
Right. I, I think if Bill Clinton had mentioned a nipple, he would have been thrown out of office. <laughs> well, actually, Akiva, I'm going to say that, um, you know, I think he did more than um, mention a nipple. No, I know. But I, I mean, but they asked him to define sex, I think, in Congress, didn't they? Yes. Yes. I would have liked to hear Kramer's definition. I feel like that might have been gold. Yes. I think Kramer probably would have had the more realistic of the four. Anyway, right, or he would have said something nutty. Uh, so, um, all right. So here we go. And now we hear some big noise, uh, some rumbling outside. Uh Oh, it's Dick. And he's yelling Merry Christmas. And Elaine says it's Cape Fear. And they all go and hide under the desk. Yeah. Did you, did you get the Cape Fear reference? Uh, I know of Cape Fear. I've never seen it. OK, but uh, I get the idea. Uh, and so here comes Dick and then they hand him the sweater and then he's like, oh, what's this cashmere? And then uh, sees the dot. And then that's the end of the regular part of the episode. All right. So first off, Akiva, what do you think of this ending? I mean, I hated it. Yeah, I it's think it's so a little cartoony, soft. Like, you know, we discussed uh, in one of our first episodes, like keeping track of how sort of like realistic. And this isn't there's nothing here that's fantastical, but, you know, it's too sitcommy. It's too broad. It's too like. You know, I don't know. You know, they they go to the well a third time with the sweater and the red dot. Um, it's it's not subtle like like the best Seinfeld episodes are. Yeah, I think that also if this is real life, no chance that uh, George and Jerry and Elaine are making it out of this uh, situation alive. By the way, what about the open door policy of Pendant Publishing? George gets fired and he's just allowed to you know be by himself for the rest of the day. Jerry yeah. and Jerry's now walked in twice because they came in at the beginning during the holiday party. It's 1991. I don't think they had those security measures in place yet. So, so like, like, uh, fired coworkers could just come back and just beat people up. Or, I think so. Or, or, yeah. I think that's why they, they make you sign in now. It's uh, you know, it's a wild time, 1991. Yeah. So this is kind of a crazy ending. Like you would think that Dick, when he sees Jerry and Elaine underneath the desk together, like that is going to drive him insane. Yeah. I mean, also, but he's not murderous. He's just drunk. He's though. dragging the Christmas tree around. That's true. <laughs> People do stupid things when they're drunk. I'm not sure if he's like he's coming to kill them. And he doesn't seem like a happy drunk. No, he's not a happy drunk. That's fair. Yeah. Anyway, so Jerry is back to doing stand up in the end. He's talking about the thing about an alcoholic. He's, you know, it's kind of crazy. He says, I think I inadvertently turned this guy into an alcoholic. I hate being around the alcoholics because they either tell you how much they love you or how much they hate you. And those are the two statements that scare me the most. But I think he's okay now because I have no idea how he feels about me. He's finally off the wagon. And now here's Dick in the comedy club, like raising like a like a cup of coffee. He's like, I think you mean on the wagon. And Jerry's like, hey, don't get smart with me. Yeah, Dick is now going to, going to see Jerry's act twice. Hey, Kiva, what is... the hell is this? <laughs> Wait, I didn't know who knew Dick was such a big Jerry Seinfeld fan. Yeah, and then, I mean, Jerry doesn't see Dick in the audience, and, and he's talking about him, and Dick is like, I gave you all this material. Right, it's weird, right? It's one thing if Jerry knows he's there, but he's talking about him as if he's not there, and then, you know, mentions him, and then he's just there. I, I, you know, both endings are, are kind of off for me. And even Jerry's line of uh, don't get smart, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that just seems weird. Yeah. Um, you saw in the inside look. So one of the executives, uh, Glenn Padnick. Yeah. He said that it was too dark, you know, just leaving it open ended that Dick sees them under the. Yeah. Under the um, the desk. Well, so he 
he took he took credit for making uh you know putting the scene with dick being back on the wagon yeah i wouldn't take credit for that and, um, then, and then they go back to then they like flash the larry and he's like yeah he made us do that which normally you'd think it's not true when someone takes credit for especially an executive for seinfeld you know who famously didn't care what the executives had to say so i was like yeah he made us did it but it didn't matter either way which basically means it wasn't funny yes yes also um there was no inside looks for last week's episode on the alternate side but i also you know we talked about in the episode the fact that they do this here makes me really suspect even more that that's what they did with the alternate side where the executives made them say at the end of the episode like oh yeah no he's fine he's uh over his stroke he was just using me for the sex uh that's a very good point i think you're right um, and I think probably we'll see at a certain point very soon when the show gets super popular in the fourth season that the executives either a had no complaints against Seinfeld or B didn't have the power to get Larry and Jerry to do anything anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Hollywood is like when you're not a, a big deal yet, you get bossed around. And then once you do become a big deal, then you get to say the, uh, do you know who I am? I don't have to listen to you. And then uh, there you go. And then sometimes you do need to listen to other people. Yeah. But, but if you're that executive, even if you're a successful guy, you're not a comedian. Like you, it's hard to give comedy notes to Larry you know, think about like Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, Larry Charles, like these, these guys are like first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah, like, but they didn't know that Larry David was Larry David yet. No, I understand. But in hindsight, like Larry and Jerry were right. Like the, the, the fact that they would fight and say, like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You know, the history obviously. Yeah, of correct. course they're right. But, you know, that the executives at that time, like they're just like thinking that these guys are just two idiots. Oh, they're, sure. they're lucky yeah. to have a show on TV. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and they probably felt the same way. And, and of course they always, they, at this point still probably in season three, it's not rating great. You know, they don't, the show doesn't really take off till it gets put behind cheers, which is going to come in about, you know, another 20 episodes yeah. from now. And now the executives think like, well, the show was great. Cause I made it great. Right. They take credit for, I'm sure <laughs> way too much. <laughs> All right. So Akiva, if this was 2014, uh, what is different here other than, uh, of course we mentioned the security policies probably at, uh, pendant publishing. Yeah. The security policy at pendant publishing, uh, you know, definitely needed some work. You seem um, to think know. the markdown on the sweater would be different. Yeah, the markdown on the sweater is way too much. It was almost like 90%. Yeah. Um, that's too high. Um, but I don't know if that's a time thing. I think they're just, you know, it was just a bunch of dudes making up prices. Yes, yes. Um, I don't know. Uh, what what else is there? I mean, I, definitely, you know, a lot of the stuff we mentioned already, like the conversation about kiss, nobody would ever, it wouldn't even make sense to say that kissing is sex in, the, mm-hmm. you know, in an episode in 2014. Yeah. Okay. Akiva, where do you put the red dot in your rankings? All right. So it sounds like you're pretty high in it. And they're definitely, I, are, well, really let me tell you what I, what I liked about the red dot. Uh, okay. I loved everything with the sweater. I loved the story about George and Elaine and, uh, pen and publishing and the cleaning lady. I loved Hennigan's. I would say for me though, the only, uh, blemish though, the one red dot on this beautiful cashmere sweater is all the stuff with Dick. Yeah. I think, um, it's a lot like a season two episode in that. There's kind of like an over-the-top co-star, you know, guest star that kind of ruins things. And I just thought the ending was landed so poorly. It was like a figure skater, you know, who has like a good routine and then like falls on her face, gets up and falls on her face a second time. Okay. Um, so, uh, so I'll tell you where I have this episode. All right. Where is it? 
It's at uh, 120. 120. I think I think you're too low on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's behind the phone message by one spot and ahead of the revenge. Um, It's definitely funnier than an episode like the phone message. Um, And, and, you know, the nose job, maybe, which was also ahead of it. But um, it it was just a little too uneven for my taste. The ceiling for this episode was very high, but it didn't really hit its mark. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think you're you're just being a li- a little too low. I mean, I think I would compare it um I know that you had the library at 14. I don't think it's quite that good, but I feel like it's that same sort of thing where it's like, you know, three out of the four things they did in the episode were really good and one was just kind of a clunker. And this one, the clunker was probably a bigger part of the story than uh, than something like the library, but I feel like right. it's it's sort of like in that, in that area where, you know, like 75% of it's really good and there's just 25% that's uh, not perfect. Right. First of all, how dare you compare it to the library? <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying. It's fair. Yeah. Uh, listen, some so, something has to be 120. You know, no, I get episode it. It's probably somebody's favorite. Yeah. Except for the except for the Hornick episode. That's nobody's favorite. Nobody's favorite. Nobody's favorite. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Joel Hornick was in Scrooge also, by the way. Really? I think so. Oh, maybe maybe Christmas 2015. You'll have a rewatch. <laughs> we'll have a rewatch. All right. All right. Uh, let's take some emails uh, from this week. Of course, every week we take emails about the episodes. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. And let's start off with Johnny DeSilvera. Uh, Johnny DeSilvera wants to know, is there any reason why the red dot was never shown uh, to the audience? Akiva, would you have rather have seen the red dot? I think it's similar to like the nose job that we talked about a few weeks ago that they never show it. Sometimes it's just funnier to, you know, to for the you know viewer to sort of visualize it himself. How about this part of it? Johnny brings up the second straight episode talking about something more serious. Last week was a stroke. This week, alcoholism. Was this the lowest Seinfeld got dealing with these subject matters? I do think they were, they were a little flippant on uh, the subject of alcoholism. But for whatever reason, I think it's just considered more. It's more serious now than it was then. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of just like more wacky at that point. And now I think more it's treated more like a illness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I do think the show is going to get darker. And I didn't have a problem with the alcoholism uh, stuff like I did last week with the stroke. No, I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't think it was insensitive. Um, It's a little bit. Yeah, he makes a good point. But I I, listen, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of sacred cows that are going down soon here also. All right, let's go to Chester uh, on the email. He says, how does the conversation between Dick and Jerry escalate so quickly? Forget about being an alcoholic. Dick is just an a-hole. Yeah, cosign on that. Uh, Dick is, again, before he starts drinking, he's already horrible. Yeah. Also, Chester wanted to know, Akiva, any background explanation on how this episode integrated the stand-up into the plot? I enjoyed that. Do you wish that we would have seen more of that along the way? Um, do, I don't think so because, because they didn't handle it well here. We Um, also see it later on, uh, when the, uh, the laugh, is it when Kramer is dating the girl, uh, that laughs at the jokes? Yes. Yeah. So we see it a couple other times. Yeah. I, I do think, uh, yeah. And and also there are times where we see him kind of do stand up, but it's not really in the setting of you know, of the background that we normally see during the opening, you know, monologue, closing monologue type of thing. Okay. Uh, you know, where he's at the club. But um, I do think, 
I, I wonder with the, you know, because Padnik says that he threw in the closing uh, bit. I wonder if the middle part was also added or if that was already in there. You know, the first time we see Dick in the comedy club. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if maybe, you know, they shot the 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 last part and it's like, well, I guess why don't we make a middle part where he's also at the club? It wouldn't surprise me if that's what happened, because otherwise it, it doesn't really make so much sense. Okay. And then lastly, uh, Chester wants to know, why is the cleaning lady so ungrateful? So the cashmere sweater had a little red dot. If she had been dreaming about a cashmere sweater her whole life, why is she rejecting it just because of a slight dot? Maybe her real complaint was George's poor sexual performance, which would mean his concerns from the strand that have finally come home to roost. Well, wow. Chester's really, uh, you know, he's he's on another level than us, sounds like. Yeah, it does seem... It does seem like, you know, he could have it's it's one thing, Elaine, who knows him, that he can't sell the fact that he bought it for cheap. But this lady who doesn't know him. You know, he could say, like, oh, my God, I'm going to return this. Yeah. So uh, I'd like a cashmere sweater. I would wear it if it had a red dot. And even George only gave his performances OK. So maybe Chester's on to something. Yeah, uh, I think everybody over makes a big deal about the red dot. I, I would wear it. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the problem with, you know, any sort of like white shirt or anything. You're eventually there's going to be a stain on it. It's just the question is, can you get away with it or not? Look, is it, does it keep you warm? That's really what it comes down to. Wow, you're so practical. I'm very practical. I'm also like, uh, you know, I live in California and I'm back in New York and it's freezing. Right. Oh, I was going to say also you work in your pajamas, so it's easy not to be <laughs> yeah. materialistic. Uh, I'm, very, I'm very much uh, concerned with function over fashion uh, in all senses. That's right. All right. So, Akiva, what's coming up next week? Uh, next week, we have a, a real classic, uh, the subway. The subway. All right. So a lot to talk about there in the subway. And then, uh, of course, uh, it's a it's our Festivus week. You aired all of your grievances. Um, there's only one. Uh, let's see. When is this show going to go up? It's going to be up. Uh, probably this is going to be our last show of 2014, Akiva. Yeah, it's very, uh, you know, it's sad. We're, this is our first year. Uh, the, the scary part is like 2015 will end and we'll still be in like season five. That's fine. That's fine. Akiva, now I know it's the end of the year and there's a lot of countdowns. Is it true that you put together a countdown here for the end of 2014? Uh, yes, that is true. Um, I mentioned on last week's show that I was going to, you know, because we always talk about movies and how I'm such a movie buff. I've seen every movie. Yes. Um, You're like do the, Leonard Malton. I'm, I'm basically, uh, you know, this podcast, Leonard Malton. Um, I do think uh, so. I, I have a top 10 movie list, but there's a couple movies I want to see. That I, hopefully I'll get to this week, like Foxcatcher, American Sniper, because um, who knows? Maybe they'll crack my top ten list. I've made a top ten movie list every week since every year since uh, 1993. Whoa! If you're in fact, if you're really pathetic and you want to see it, uh, tweet at me and I will uh, I'll I'll send it to you. Okay. But um, but uh, so I figured I've seen all the television shows I'm going to see, so I have a top ten TV shows list of 2014. Yes. So I'll give it to you quickly here. I know yes. people are on the edge of their seats. Okay. But um, all right. So number ten is Parks and Recreation. Boom! In its final season now. Uh, number nine is Veep. Do you watch Veep? I don't. All right, it's good. It's good. Um, uh, number eight, third straight uh, female uh, comedy in a row is Broad City. Very underrated show on Comedy Central. Okay. Uh, then seven is True Detective. Six is Nathan for You, which I've mentioned yes. before on the show. I yes, love Nathan for You. Good. It's great. Five was Fargo, which uh, which was. Uh, you know, had a good first season, although it's hard with these shows like True Detective and Fargo because 
next season is just completely new people. Yes. Then four is the great Louis. Yes. Uh, then three is Game of Thrones. I know Whoa. you love Game of Thrones. Yes. Uh, two is a new show that I just been watched uh, and I really like it. Uh, Walking Dead. Oh, number that's number two, Akiva. I love The Walking Dead. What can I say? It's it's you're all caught no up. Show there's no other show that I like. The second it's over, like you want to find out what's going to happen next week. Yeah. Although my critique is, I do think they've con- kind of got away from like for at the first couple seasons, nobody was safe. Now I feel like everybody's safe. Okay. They should kill off kill off somebody important soon. <laughs> and then number one, and, right, drum roll, drum roll. Um, so my favorite show of 2014 and of most years, it, this would be my number one is a uh, review review. And now Rob, I know a lot of people haven't seen review. I, got, yeah. Yeah. Meager, meager ratings. Perhaps they've never even heard of it. Yes. Right. It sounds like you've never heard of it. Uh, I think I've heard of it, but I am not a watcher. Right. So it stars Andy Daly, uh, yes. who has his own podcast and is on, is always on comedy bang bang also. Yes. And anyway, so here's what I'm going to do, Rob. I want I want review to not be canceled. Okay. And I want and I you know I want the I want the the listeners at home to watch review. Okay. So here's what I'll do. If you have not seen review, you'll give people ten dollars to watch it. Oh uh, well, now you're going to make me seem like a cheap seat, Rob. <laughs> How much do you love it, Akiva? Well, listen. Well, listen. I just said I won my fantasy football league. I got a lot of spare cash lying around. Okay. If you have not seen review and you go right now over this Christmas week or whatever and you watch all eight episodes, it's only eight 20 minute episodes and you don't like it, then tweet at me and I will give you what episode is this the, of the Seinfeld podcast? Yeah. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. All right, I'll give you a dollar twenty nine. I will pay you twenty nine. Wow. See, now you make me look like a cheapskate. How do you know I was going to give away money? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Now it's, but if you, but we're, we're working on the honor system here. I'm only going to ask three questions. <laughs> you're you're like, you you're killed? like Rick with your three questions. No, I'm not. How many people have you killed? <laughs> How many episodes have you watched? Right, Why so did you watch them? If you, if you watch all eight and you don't like it, you tweet at me, I will send you money. Dollar twenty nine. <laughs> it's the Akiva Winokur, a dollar twenty nine <laughs> guarantee. Listen, I'm like Santa Claus. I'm like a Jewish Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, Akiva, happy Hanukkah. Oh, well, thank you. I think I think it just ended. It just ended. It's, well, you're a, you're a day ahead of us. Yeah, it, I think it's Hanukkah for you still. I'm not sure. Yes. Okay. But uh, we're, we're in that sweet spot between Hanukkah and Christmas. Yes. All right. So, yeah, I'm giving away. But listen, no one's going to take me up on the deal, Rob. And by the way, it's open to you also. <laughs> yes. I want you to watch review, but it's such a good show that nobody's going to ask for the money. <laughs> I'm, I'm guaranteeing you now yeah but if it's so good and nobody's gonna ask for the money then why not why not go higher than a dollar 29 oh my god <laughs> <laughs> how high should i go should we limit this to like a certain number how of, much did of, george of pay for the sweater <laughs> oh no 85 dollars <laughs> Yeah, is are you saying that there's a red dot on this on this review that maybe we're not seeing right off the bat? Maybe on the Blu-ray. There's there, you know, I I just I just had to buy my kids eight night of Hanukkah presents. That's you know, yeah, I did the first uh, iPod that I ever got with video had like a uh, like a pixel out on it. Uh, uh-huh. It was like a, like one pixel out, and and I couldn't stop staring at that one pixel. 
Yeah, it drives me crazy. Also, like I have a tiny crack in my phone. I had to like throw it in the garbage and get a new phone, <laughs> even though it was like so slim. Yeah. So there's only eight episodes of review. Yeah, it's eight. Rob, I listen. I, I know you have a lot of in-laws and family to ignore over the next few days. Yeah. If you can sneak away from them. Well, it's some of these episodes are not appropriate to watch, like with your nieces or nephews or whoever you have, what? you know, nudity, wherever you're staying. What? Nudity. No, it's wow. on Comedy Central, but there's a couple. I, I'm trying to think. I think there's one episode. Is there kissing? Because that's sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no nipples because it's Comedy Central. OK, I think there's one episode um, that you could tell by the titles that that's not super appropriate. It, there's like an inflatable doll. And um, but other than that, I think you could watch it with your family. I do think that uh, get your family hooked on review this. All right. This, not uh, a product season. placement, but uh, Andy Daly's Twitter says watch review season one on Amazon, iTunes, Hulu Plus or the Comedy Central app. Season two is coming in 2015, according to Andy Daly's Twitter. So yeah, Kiva, this might all two. be for naught. No, they got a season two. I did know that. But, I, you know, I want the show to go on forever. It's, uh, you know, it's a great show. And who knows? Maybe in 2020 we'll podcast about it forever. Seinfeld says they need to go out on top. No, listen, they they uh, review. I can't explain how good it is, Rob. I, I'm you know, you have homework for next week. All right. All right. Let me see what I can do. Let me see what I can do. Um, I would say if it wasn't for this baby I have, like being on a plane would be a great time to watch these things. But uh, this traveling. Are you taking the baby on the plane by yourself? No, with my with my wife. But I don't even. So you can watch the show. No, I can't watch anything. I've got like every device I have has like Mickey Mouse playing on it. I've got like the screens in front of us. We've got like iPads, iPhones, uh, just all devices just to try to try to entertain the baby for uh the entire flight yeah you know put on the wiggles for him and then you could watch the review yourself no he doesn't sit still he wants to touch whatever you have i have my laptop open he wants to hit all the buttons on the laptop how tall is this kid you can just hold it up high <laughs> it's terrible akiva i but i have two fantasies uh right now that uh one one is that i want to convert uh i want to that i would like to convert to judaism not for the jokes akiva but for the uh not having to travel for the holidays that would so that's number one well what does that mean i travel for the holidays you have to just travel before the holidays akiva akiva <laughs> you, you travel for, do you travel in december do you travel for hanukkah no, but you have to travel for Passover. Okay, I you you're traveling in September. No, that you got no weather delays. That you're not paying an arm and a leg for these flights in uh, in in uh, for Passover. Wait, do you think the airlines don't know that every Jew goes to Florida for Passover <laughs> and they jack the they jack the fees? Because trust me, they do. Believe me, it's not like what you're going to pay at Christmas. Uh, and then number two, uh, then my other fantasy is that I'm traveling places without uh, a kid, and I could just like. Like, do whatever I wanted on a plane for five hours. Yeah, I, but that I, is a power move. Like, send your wife early. W- what about if you like fly first class and she goes, coach? <laughs> yeah, I'll say to her like, oh, well, you you've never flown first class. You would you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> well, you also you can't like play it off as like as the company, you know, because you are the company, so you can't like, yep, you know, I got a, I got an upgrade for workers. From I'm workers. telling you, I would I would put my wife and the baby in first class. I a great idea. Coach. That's what yeah. you should do, honey. I want you to <laughs> experience. 
Also, your, your baby's <laughs> under two, right? So you, you don't have to pay for the seat yet. Yes, yes. That's one good thing about having... Well, like, well then he's going to be old enough to get the seat. To, the, the, he's going to need his own seat soon. So then I'm going to do... it. I, I already have this planned out that uh, that he'll sit on the, the window. Uh, my wife will sit in the middle and I'll sit on the aisle. Yeah, I mean, thing I, kids on planes, they kind of he'll, he'll be in all three seats at once, like from my experience. <laughs> How is that possible? By the way, I have it because I have three kids, so we can't all sit in one spot. So, you know, a lot of times I'll be like super far away, relatively far, like across the aisle or something. Yeah. And then, you know, and then it's much easier. Like, you know, then it's somebody else's problem. All right. Well, we should wrap up this podcast. Uh, can I give people a challenge uh, for this week's episode in the comments? Sure. Okay. At one point during the recording of this episode, uh, Akiva's wife and kids yelled out uh, that there was a snake in the house that Akiva had to go kill. Uh, Akiva had to go uh, kill a snake during the recording of this podcast, correct? Am I saying anything that's incorrect? No, this is, I mean, it sounds insane, I'm sure, but it was 100% true. Find the spot in the podcast where we had this break and Akiva went and killed a snake. That's my challenge to you, the listeners, this week. Uh, let us know what you thought in the comments. We have a hashtag for this one. Uh, should it be snake related? <laughs> we should mention it's a really little snake. snake. Like, you could barely see it. Well, it's either, how about Hennigan's? I think Hennigan's, uh, I think Hennigan's is good. Okay, let's go with the Hennigan's because then uh, we might find some actual Seinfeld fans or snakes on a podcast. One, one or the other. That's uh, either one. All right, sounds good. And don't forget the $1.29 deal, guys. Oh, yeah, the $1.29. <laughs> the $1.29 challenge. <laughs> All right, have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.